Welcome to the IoT Podcast, the home of IoT talks and tales. I'm your host this week, Tom White. Tune in every Monday as we're joined by the biggest names in IoT to unravel the trends, misconceptions, and predictions for the Internet of Things. Make sure you're subscribed and press the notification bell so you're never out of the loop. Hi guys, before we get into the episode today, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Akenza IO. Akenza IO are a self-service IoT platform allowing you to build great IoT products and services with real value. Welcome back to the IoT podcast. Roy, thanks for coming back on the show. You are boomerang number three, I think, of guests that we've had back on the show. A very, very small select circle. Wow. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> uh, so, Roy, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Uh, business, uh, I seem to be hearing lots about it, lots of activities. Um, and also for people that maybe haven't um, heard the previous episode of Skill Things, maybe just a brief intro would be nice. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I think since the last episode, we've been uh, keeping busy. Uh, a lot has changed. Uh, you know, the team grew uh, probably more all around, doubled maybe more. Um, moved to a new office actually a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, did another funding round, which was pretty exciting. Announced that a couple of months ago. And in terms of uh, what we do to remind the audience, um, we basically help organizations. So enterprises, uh, manage, uh, devices. So IT devices, uh, with a focus, a strong focus on physical security devices and helping them automate different activities. Uh, that they're struggling with today, you know, from basic, is my device even working? Uh, to if it's not working or if there are any vulnerabilities, tell me what it is. So all kind of analytics, which are then applied to then a layer of automation that can help them, you know, fix things, whether if it's a simple restart of a device, uh, whether if it's a upgrading firmware, things of that sort, and then also collaboration with third-party tools. So, you know, ServiceNow, Splunk, and other enterprise systems that you want to be able to collaborate because you have different peers that you want to work with and help them uh, enjoy uh, the benefits of the system. So that's kind of us in a, in a nutshell. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I always think it's amazing when um, people are, are raising rounds of investments and company valuations and, uh, you know, you being the founder and the CEO, did you, did you ever imagine that you'd get to this point, you know, when you were a kid growing up that you'd, you'd be here now, on a podcast talking to me and because your business must be valued a significant amount now right so i don't think there was uh there were podcasts when i grew up right <laughs> so no definitely not it wasn't it could it could have been that long ago surely roy you look far too young <laughs> it's it's been a while back uh maybe on the radio back then <laughs> yeah. uh but you know uh as you get uh you go, you do some stuff, um, you do some interesting things. And I think at a certain point of time, yes, like that, uh, probably not growing up, not as a kid. Uh, but yeah, uh, at a certain age, yeah, I thought, yeah, I need to do something. I need to kind of start my own thing, partner with someone, do this. So it's been it's been in my mind for, for I guess, a while. Yeah, excellent. Well, you know, kudos to you. It's uh, it's always great having found founders on the show, just because uh, I founded my own business, CEO of my own company as well, and uh, yeah. I kind of I kind of know some of the challenges that you must be facing on a day to day basis, uh, and the kind of highs and lows of it, you know. So, uh, but that's a, that's a whole other topic of conversation. A lot of our listeners, actually, uh, and if we could touch on this just for a moment, a lot of our listeners would be quite inspired around the funding round journey that you've been on. Um, 
The reason being, because of course, IoT is quite uh, segmented still as an industry. So you've got big enterprise companies, and then you've got a load of startups. And unfortunately, with startups, you know, sometimes they never get past that kind of bedroom development field, right? You know, a couple of people, they have a good idea, but they don't get the money to actually put the product into action. So have you got any kind of tips for people who maybe in an IoT startup somewhere in the world thinking, hey, how the hell did Roy manage to do this? How did he get this funding? So I think it goes kind of back to, to kind of the core of uh, product market fit, right? Uh, and, you know, with product market fit also is part of it, it's resilience and, you know, experimenting. So, you know, and it took us a bit initially to find that product market fit and to understand, you know, we had some initial success, but then, trying to understand who, what is the right market segment? Uh, what is the right solution for the market segment? Who are the end users? How to do the messaging? Uh, but there's a lot of uh, iteration uh, work that needs to be done while always kind of listening you know, to different people within the industry, whether if it's uh, the customers or partners that you're speaking with. And you know, in some cases, they'll tell you, yeah, no, what you guys are working on is not interesting So initially. So, okay, so... Maybe you're not speaking with the right people, so you had a good idea and not speaking with the right people. Or maybe these are the right people and they know something that you don't know because they are really living the day-to-day of their business, of the business, of the solution they are trying to solve. So it goes back to really finding the product market fit, uh, finding something which is out there now right, versus a problem or something which is more futuristic, which still doesn't exist. And I think what we did is IoT is broad, but we uh, focus on an area which is the challenges are out there now. It's not the IoT, hey, in whatever year, there will be so many devices and then there will be a problem. But there are so many devices out there now that organizations, enterprises need to deal with. And that's what we decided to focus on. And we also uh, find the, found the clear stakeholder you know, within the organization, the clear end user which are doing things in a certain way, which isn't is no longer relevant, but nobody ever built them, you know, the tools to do it, um, you know, in the kind of the digital world, world and adapt to the world as it is today. So it all goes back to, and it, obviously that ties into funding. So if you fi- find a product market fit, then okay, you can show investors in different uh, stages. Yes, this is what we're doing. These are the customers. And people, you can also see the investors, oh, wow, this is interesting. I get this. I spoke with the same customers and I get what you guys are doing. So this, this was, you know, early on. And then obviously it's about showing traction uh, and sh- showing more customers, success stories. And obviously a big part of everything I just said is the team. So who do you have on board and can they, can the team work well together and execute properly on that mission? And is everybody aligned on kind of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to bring uh, bring to the world? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think that's really, really insightful. Thank you for sharing that. It's uh, it, it's interesting, certainly from a startup IoT perspective, um, and and the business of IoT. I think is quite useful. A, a lot of the the talks that we have on the podcast in the past have been quite quite technical, and that's great. But it's interesting to know how you got from the position that you did to where you, where you're at. And I think some of those takeaways, uh, having something that's kind of already there as opposed to this kind of visionary thing so people can touch it and feel it, see it and understand it, I think is useful. 
But I think, and as you say, giving the people what they want, right? Ultimately, um, you know, solving solving a challenge which is which is there already. Um, and my my last question on the kind of funding round and, and you know the amazing rounds that you've been on was kind of lessons from that, I suppose, right? So, uh, what what was kind of the biggest lesson that you've learned from going through this? You know, that you just wouldn't have known uh, unless you had been through that process of funding. Yeah. Um, I'd say you need to write, write, find the right fit, right? You shouldn't expect that everyone will get the story. Uh, not everyone is interested in investing in the same kind of things. So there's also, you know, while there's a product market fit, you also need to think who are, who are the investors I'm speaking with? Do they even invest in this area? you know, B2B, enterprise, tech, uh, category creation? Or are they looking to invest in other areas? But you really need to find those investors where there's also a fit and, you know, an alignment in, to, uh, in both what you have now, but also expectations and what you're trying to build. Because you can speak with, you know, have endless conversations with investors, which, you know, are just not interested in the space. So, so why even bother, right? Uh, so there is uh, also a lot of uh, research they need to do uh, before going out, and also after. Once you start having the conversations, and you you know you're moving forward with investors. So one of the things that, of course, uh, we did during the process is mutual references. So obviously, you know, new investors want to have reference customers, uh, also other types of references uh, from the company, but. Yeah, we also wanted to, to have some references and see this is a partnership. How how can we work together? How well uh, is it the same kind of mindsets? And will this be kind of a long lasting relationship? Because everybody at the end of the day needs to work together to to help you know build a big company. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's fantastic advice. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Roy. I know that's going to be really invaluable to a lot of our listeners uh, going through this at the moment and, and, and kind of knowing where to start as well, right? Which is the, which is the biggest hurdle. Um, so move, moving back on to actually the business and the core of the business, what we spoke about originally, what Secure Things does and why you've been successful uh, in, the, in the multiple funding rounds that you've had um, is, and, and, and a nice aspect, is the automation then of security, right? Being a real game changer for IoT security uh, and operational management. Could you talk about uh, the widespread problem of vulnerable devices that we currently have, cameras, et cetera, and on why automation is a game changer? So the problem is that, again, this, these are all uh, brownfield devices. They're all out there. Um, you have teams. So you do have people which are out there which are trying to deal with these devices, but uh, they don't have the tools, right? So what we're seeing happening in the field today uh, is one out of two, uh, either reactive, which is the the vast majority. So I find out that something isn't working that I uh, was supposed to work well. You know, somebody slipped in a hospital. There's a lawsuit. I want to pull up the video feed. I want the recordings, but it hasn't been. It, it isn't there. It wasn't working properly. Or in, in the better case, they have some manual processes. So manual means that every once in a while they'll check. But there are a lot of things to check in that kind of chain to make sure that everything is working properly. And even if you do go through those manual processes, that means that just in that point of time, it was working. But what about the in-between, right? So that's where even if you put more and more headcounts on it, you can't solve it, right? 
so that's where we were working. We bought the concepts of automation and how, you know, on one hand, it in real time always monitors the stack of devices and the different pieces of operations that you have out there to make sure they're working. But then also automation in terms of the maintenance activities uh, that you need to perform. So every now and then you may find out that there's a new vulnerability which has been identified and the manufacturer is telling you, hey, this set of devices is vulnerable, but now you need to go through an upgrade process, which is not easy, right? You may have thousands of devices scattered in different campuses, different sites, and you need to find a way to uh, upgrade them. But you also want to make sure that once they're back online, now the entire chain is working properly again, as you would expect it. Because if you just upgrade it and something has a fault now, okay, so you just upgrade the system and you, and you broke it. So that's where, again, automation uh, become, becomes key. And we're seeing that it's, it's really essential for every organization which has uh, you know, a large quantity of devices. If you have like 10, 20 devices, you'll probably be okay. Do some manual, um, do some stuff that way, you'll, you'll be fine. But once you get to a certain scale, you have to have an automated system which will deal with that. And if you compare it to the IT space, IT has been automated for years, right? So it kind of, sometimes we say that we're really bringing the IT standards to this space and bringing a lot of the IT kind of technologies or methodologies into this uh, IoT, you know, physical security management space. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you, can, you can entirely see the reason why, right? You know, you, you can do it with a handful of devices, but... Uh, you know, you speak about IT, you know, if you want to install some software, typically on a Windows system, you, you'd use an MSI file, right, to, to deploy it across uh, hundreds of thousands of computers. If you've got the same with IoT, it's just, it's physically not possible to do that manually, which is why automation exactly. is there. Um, but but what, why do you think, um, why do you think it's not as advanced as it could be with automation and IoT? Because, um, with the amount of sensors, with the amount of devices that are out there, uh, you could entirely see the reason why, but but it's still not that widespread across the industry, is it? So I think you need to think about uh, the evolution of these devices. For many years, these were analog devices, right? Uh, and they, were the, the, if you we talk about cameras, there were cameras, but they were analog cameras. Then when they started uh, moving and transitioning into more digital devices, uh, and now they're running on uh, on uh, IP networks. Then there wasn't uh, the uh, the level of the adaptation that you would expect. So it's kind of evolution. Okay, there are analog devices. Now they're digital devices. They're running on digital networks. Uh, okay, they're working. The device is working fine. Now we need to find a solution to help you know uh, do things better and automate things uh, once they saw that the uh, the challenges are there. But what we're also seeing is there's also a change in the uh, end users. The end users themselves are becoming more sophisticated. End users in the past didn't necessarily know that there's a problem doing things that way. Uh, and on top of that, they didn't know that there was a solution or is a solution. But nowadays you have the end users and millennials. They are not IT departments, but they're IT guys, right? They have IT skills. And they're basically saying, you know, huh, how come we're doing things things this way? This doesn't make sense. Why do I need to check this uh, set of devices manually? How come I don't know uh, before this, you know, goes out, before things stop working? So it's also kind of a change in the, in their own kind of mindset and skill set 
that makes them kind of realize, okay, there is a better way to do these things today. So there's definitely, we've definitely seen a change for multiple reasons uh, in the last few years mm. to that extent as well. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, one of the good things is, 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 is the awareness of this to start changing mindset. And that's great. Uh, but it's actually executing a change, which is important um, because otherwise you could just talk about it. And it's good to see that your business is helping execute changes that are needed within this in order to make it more robust and in order uh, to get to where we need to be from an automation of security point of view. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about as well, which I know has come up recently, is obviously the US FCC announcement in November last year um, imposing a ban on importing and selling products by several uh, organizations operating in China. Um, uh, without politics aside <laughs> for a moment, because that's a whole other board game, um, how has this affected organizations and has this brought opportunities to your business? Yeah, definitely. Because I think what we saw is two main things that happened uh, after, um, you know, during this. And this has been going on at least on for a while, at least the discussions around this until it was kind of, uh, you know, officially announced. Uh, but even before that, you know, a certain organization couldn't purchase those devices even before that official uh, FCC ban that you mentioned. Um, but what we're seeing is changing in standards. Okay, so those, uh, let's say I have those devices now, okay, I need to change the standards. These were the set of devices that I may have been purchasing for years. So organizations after that, you know, th those devices will no longer be uh, imported. So now I need to change my own standards and I need to, to pick another t uh, tech stack, another uh, set of manufacturers to partner with. And the second is now, okay, now help me see what's out there. Okay, I want to start refreshing the devices because at the end of the day, organizations also, you know, they care. So there's one thing which is the ban, but the other thing is, okay, I'm concerned. I have these devices. Um, I rather, if, you know, they may um, potentially ha cause some harm on my network or to my organization, then I want to know, I want to wait to map these devices. And I want to be able to refresh these devices and know, to know to which devices I should switch, but then also monitor the process. So as I start rolling out different devices, I want to know what is my status and what is my compliance status when it comes to this uh, to this set of devices. So we're definitely seeing demand across this, and it goes back to the automation, right? Yes, you can do that kind of you know compliance monitoring in an automated way, but it's better if you have it automated. And if you say send out a system integrator, they plug it out the device, they put out another device. You want to see your posture updating automatically based mm. on that. How can you tell which devices are compliant? You know, you, you surely must need visibility across all of this, right? Yeah, so you need to know, you need to have a, on one hand a list of devices which are, you know, compliant or non-compliant, and then you need to correlate it with what you actually have. Um, you know, sounds easy. Sounds like an easy task, but take this into account. You have many, many type, the, the sites, you have many, many types of devices. You have many models. You have many firmware versions. Then that's on, on your side of the organization. Then you have many, many manufacturers you're working with. And you need to somehow get all that data and correlate it and make sure that data is always up to date. So that's kind of, you know, in the, the gist of the, the product, uh, of the process. It sounds simple, but it requires uh, some thought 
uh, when going through it. It's not that easy, uh, at least not at scale. No, no. That's the key here for our listeners to be aware that we're talking about scale here. We're talking hundreds, thousands of devices uh, and more uh, and being able to have visibility with a small team, an operational management point of view and to be able to know which ones are compliant or not. And and really, this is the game changer, isn't it, for automation to be looking at this and you know what, what your business does and what it does very, very well, right? Um, exactly. A quick word from today's episode sponsor, Akenza.io. Guys, I speak to a lot of organizations wanting to develop their own smart solutions and the common barriers that keep cropping up is complexity. This is why I'm so behind Akenza.io. Using their no-code self-service platform, companies can build great IoT products with value cases, connecting, controlling, managing, and securing IoT devices all in one place at speed and scale. Their unbiased technology makes it possible to register any type of device via any connectivity technology, process the data, and make it available to any application in the cloud. The platform is adapted to organizations of all sizes, from startup to enterprise, from one device to massive IoT deployments. Thanks to the self-service solution, you can start creating your IoT case right away, even without coding skills. Akenza IO are offering an exclusive 30-day free trial so you can test the platform out for yourself. Check out the link in the description and start building your smart solution today. In terms of automation, uh, helping businesses have greater visibility, uh, one of the uh, big aspects that comes out of this is around compliance and it being a re recurring challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, we just spoke about, you know, checking which ones are compliant and which not. But do you think from... Uh, a, le a legislation point of view, um, this might help uh, if the if the government was to step in and to alleviate some of these security concerns. Uh, do, do do you think that that could be a, another step that that could be taken? So I think when it comes to enterprise devices, uh, yes, that may help. Um, you know, we may be seeing more uh, requirements for hardening. Of devices, so make sure this and that uh, is uh, working like this or that, and with the devices. But then I also think that because we're talking about enterprise devices, the enterprises care, right? The devices are either there for a specific reason, so whether if it's to protect, uh, you know, for for safety, for security, but they 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 want the devices there. And the other aspect is that they want to make sure the devices are not causing any harm on the cyber side, right? So while I believe, yes, legislation can definitely help, I also believe that there is a real incentive for a modern enterprise to want to do these things properly, even if no one else tells him, hey, you got to do this, right? You want to do it because this is what you're paid to do. This is, on one hand, you're, you're there to protect the organization. You are responsible for physical security devices, which is intended to protect the organization on one hand physically, so you want to make sure that it's working at any point of time, but then you also want to protect the organization from cyber threats. So it's part of, it's becoming part of your job. And I don't think we're kind of at a point in time when somebody needs to tell you, Hey, you got to get this done. This is kind of the definition of your job, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd love to know uh, the biggest blunder that you've seen from a security point of view without naming too many details or specifics, uh, but one that sticks out to you in your mind and, and how potentially it could have been prevented as well. So 
one that comes to mind happened a few months ago. Um, oh, recently. Yeah. Uh, wow. So last year there was uh, there was a, a shooting. It was a you know obviously a, a sad incident. Uh, there was a shooting in uh, Brooklyn in the in the subway, one of the subway stations. Um, obviously, subway stations, uh, you know, Brooklyn in New York. There's many many cameras. When they tried to find uh, the shooter, it took them a bit. And then when they investigated and tried to look at the, uh, the footage, they found out that some of the devices weren't working properly. Okay, so some of the devices in that specific se- uh, station weren't recording. So when they were investigating and, you know, you're working kind of against the clock to f- try to find that person, they just didn't have the, the video to look at. Um so that's that's I think it's something that we're seeing, and and again we're bringing this example, but this is not unique to, you know, uh, the, uh, that that shooting and that incident. In this case, this happens across the industry because the challenge of uh, availability. This is an industry uh, wide problem. Uh, we're seeing this across uh, many types of you know industries and many types of organizations, um, and that's exactly where you know automation can help uh, if. You can have a system that then monitors and tells you, hey, this device is working or not, or is it recording uh, or not, which is not the same uh, type of uh, uh, thing. Uh, then, you know, we can avoid uh, such, uh, such situations and such occurrences. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I think the other aspect here is human error is to account for a lot of this, but also ignorance. I haven't had to access, <clears throat> in the case of the Brooklyn shooting, these cameras before. I haven't had to see it. Therefore, I haven't checked it. It's not working. It's not online. But if you could automate that, or you could just have a control process to say, hey, every Sunday night, we're going to check. We're just going to run a check to see if it's working. Look at the, uh, the digital recordings or whatever. Uh, you need to do that. And you, you'd, li- you'd like to think that that was already in place or something so critical. I mean, I'd hate to... I'd hate to imagine telling the families, right, you know, oh, by the way, the cameras weren't working. I mean, it's just it's just not good enough, you know. So I can completely see why. And I think that was a good example because it really brings it home when you talk about uh, the necessity to do this. Um, and the same can be said across across lots of different industries, you know, before coming into yep. uh, uh, before before even coming into uh, to record this today, we had a problem with one of our systems. Um, and, and the issue was the, 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 the consultant had mentioned to one person three months ago, but never followed it through. And the other person didn't. Whereas if you automated that, you would have a report and someone would say, Hey, this is broken in whatever way. Right. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I completely get it. Um, Roy, last time you were on, we had an interesting conversation and and some of the things that you were talking about were enterprise uh, utilizing automated security, as as we've spoken, but uh, specifically in casinos and and uni campuses. Um, Has there been any challenges from some of these enterprises or new businesses that seem to be kind of uh, cropping up as potential clients of yours since we last spoke? Um, Maybe segments that you didn't originally think that are now interested in working with you yeah um so i think organizations now realize we're kind of a point of time they realize okay there is a better way to do things right i know what my challenges are i know that yes the device is not working i know that i can't get things done uh and there's a better way of doing things um and then yes we we are then uh available to help them 
Um, definitely, we have gone broader in types of the organizations that we, we serve. Uh, you know, and today, just to, to list a few industries, we work with uh, tech companies, with financial institutions, with uh, high education, uh, healthcare, uh, oil and gas, utility. But it's pretty broad in terms of the industries, and it's it's all the same challenges. So it repeats itself. The same challenges, same types of, of devices. What I think is also uh, is going to be a big challenge this year, um, you know, with the uh, um, economy, you're not going to get more resources probably, right? So you're, you have the same resources. Hopefully, you don't, uh, you know, nobody gets, gets laid off, but you still need to solve challenges and you have more devices and the challenges become bigger and the stakes are also higher. So that's definitely a trend uh, we're seeing. And then one of the things that it gets to is a, uh, is a, uh, a question of, can you reduce costs? And that's, I think, where especially, you know, customers turn to us because, yes, the system can help you significantly reduce the cost. Uh, the cost. And it doesn't matter what industry it is, it can help you reduce the cost with the automation capabilities. I think that's quite, that's quite a nice link into what I was going to mention about trends that you see for this, this coming year. Uh, but lack of resources, increased heightened awareness around reducing costs for automation, uh, two of the biggest ones there, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're definitely going to face some headwinds of some description this year. We don't quite know what that's going to look like. Um, but obviously, at the time of recording, you know, last couple of days ago, Microsoft made big plans to, to unfortunately lay off uh, uh, thousands of people and other people are following suit at the moment. And so um, I think resources and, and money will be a constraint. So uh, hopefully this will this will enable uh, businesses to, to to automate some of this process and save money in the longer term. Roy, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. Really, really appreciated it. Um, uh, we have a question from the audience, actually, uh, and I'll read the question and perhaps you, you could shed some light on it. Uh, the question is, do you see any emerging security issues that people need to be aware of or that you think haven't been adequately addressed as of yet? Yeah, so I think it's not just about the emerging security issues, but what we're seeing with the enterprises is that they want to have the control in their hands, right? So yes, there will always be more uh, security issues and alerts that will be released. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's great that a manufacturer tells me that the devices are secure, but it's better if I can have a way to see that. And it goes back to the visibility and control. So I want to have my own systems that can tell me, yes, the manufacturer has said that these devices are secure. And, you know, going back to the compliance piece, the devices are compliant, are in compliance, but then I also have my own systems, which are monitoring, you know, the devices and giving me that level of assurance from within the enterprise after the devices have been deployed. So that's definitely uh, something we're, we're seeing. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for that, Roy. And in terms of predictions and trends for 2023, uh, that links on quite nicely. Uh, where, do you, where do you see everything going this year? So I think um, our, our focus, a lot of our focus this year is also around ecosystem collaboration. And I think that's what we'll be, we'll be seeing. So more partnerships uh, within the ecosystem between different layers of the ecosystem, right? So you have enterprises, you have uh, manufacturers, you have system integrators, you have vendors, obviously like uh, secure things. Um, and I think what we'll be seeing is just more collaboration, 
across the wider ecosystem. And as mentioned, we are going to invest uh, personally uh, a lot uh, in this space to help, at the end of the day, better serve the enterprise. So bring with that level of uh, collaboration a better solution and better tools for the end customers. Roy, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. It's been excellent having you here. Uh, as usual, where can people find you on socials, uh, website, uh, and LinkedIn in various places? Yeah, so www.securethings.com. Uh, also, we have our own, uh, obviously, LinkedIn page. Um, yeah, we're available there, info at securethings.com. Feel free to reach out. Excellent. Roy, thanks again. Thanks a lot, Tom. Have a good one. Before we go, I wanted to thank today's episode sponsor, Akenza.io. Don't forget to check out the link in the description and gain access to a 30-day free trial of their self-service platform. Thanks for tuning in to the IoT podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're on. See you next week for more IoT talks and tales.